Welcome to the Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a very full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea. I have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best versions of themselves each and every day. We came together to create the Wellness Hub, which is an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, support, and offers you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing a space to share tips and tricks, that we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and show the world how relatable these everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community, The Wellness Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, to donate to our nonprofit Spoonies Unite, which helps provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and supports us in our endeavors. To learn more, visit the show notes. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. It is a fantastic one. We are interviewing Shelby Hedgecock, who is an entrepreneur, business mentor, and web designer based in Knoxville, Tennessee. Her mission is simple, to inspire, empower, and impact millions of people who have big dreams to do what it takes to achieve them. She is the founder and CEO of Blooming Magnolia, Inc., a long COVID support and mental health advocacy nonprofit, as well as a special advisor for empowering a billion women. She also is a business mentor and web designer helping ambitious women entrepreneurs unlock their potential, enhance their reputation, and elevate their mindset. Shelby is a breath of fresh air, sharing her own authentic personal struggles and successes with the world to make it a mission to cultivate, change, and empower others while doing so. Through her transparency and bravery, she's a lighthouse for others as she shows firsthand what is possible when you hold your God-given vision trust your power, and make the decision to leap. Shelby is truly a breath of fresh air. She has this light about her. And I know you're listening to this. You don't get the pleasure of seeing her on video like we did, but she has this really positive energy, even though she has gone through a lot, just like many of you listening to this have gone through lots of health struggles. She shares about how she wasn't believed by her doctors when she was sharing what her symptoms were when she first was diagnosed with COVID. And she also shared about how she took that very challenging part of her life and has turned it into something a lot more positive, impactful, and something that brings her a lot of joy while still allowing her to work around her everyday symptoms. It's a good listen. Make sure you listen all the way to the end and make sure you scroll down to the show notes and follow her and her nonprofit, Blooming Magnolia, on all the socials. So enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Today's special guest is Shelby Hedgecock. Hi, Shelby. Hi. Hey. We're so excited to have you on today. We've been trying to get this interview scheduled for a long time, and I'm so excited that it's finally happening. I know. I know. It's finally here. (laughs) All right. So, Shelby, will you tell our lovely listeners all about who you are, your story, and how you've gotten to where you are today? Yes, ma'am. So my name is Shelby Hedgecock. I am originally from East Tennessee. I lived out in LA for eight years and I actually just moved back to East Tennessee. So that's where I'm based currently. Yeah, I am a entrepreneur, business mentor, and web designer. And how I got here is quite interesting. (laughs) So as I said, I I moved out to LA about eight years ago from East Tennessee and um, I moved out there for my acting career. And once I realized how toxic the industry was, it just really wasn't like me. So um, I decided to start my own brand. And it was called Not Search, Not So Famous. I started the brand from the ground up. It was pitched the networks, 
all of the things. And the premise behind the show was small town girl trying to make it in LA. Um, And so it was really, really fun. We had a lot of success with it. Um, But then back at the end of 2017, I went through a whole mental health crisis. My grandmother passed away. I had my heart broken. I lost my job. And it was a whole lot at once. (laughs) Oh, girl. It was not a fun time. Um, But I actually, I, I mean, I slipped into severe depression because of all of it. It was just horrible. Um, So I had to take a step back from producing the show. um, And that's whenever I actually ended up falling in love with fitness. And so I had this whole fitness transformation and I fell in love with just the mind, body and soul connection of it all. And so whenever I had my transformation, I wanted to help others through that. Mm -hmm. Um, through their transformations. And so I decided to start my online wellness business, which was so amazing. I mean, I did a bunch of like online coaching type stuff. Um, And I mean, I can honestly say fitness really saved my life at the time. Um, So I was about to start my online wellness program and release that to the world. And it was going to be like a 12-week thing. And I ended up getting sick with COVID back in 2020. And so this was April. When in 2020 did you get COVID? April 20th. So like right towards the beginning of when the entire world and specifically the United States was like, yeah, this is actually something we need to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. It was really bad. Um, And it. It was a very rough time. I mean, I got sick and then I just never got mm-hmm. better. I mean, I literally almost died. Um, I, there was a time whenever I had acute COVID where my oxygen stats would drop to like 87 at night and I would have a racing pulse of over 130. So that's just really hard on your organs. Mm-hmm. And it's... It was it was rough. I mean, it's been over two and a half years now. Um, and because of that infection, I am chronically ill. I have cardiovascular issues, um, a diagnosed brain injury. Um, and I deal with POTS, which is it's been pretty debilitating. But other than that, for the most part, I'm I'm still somewhat stable in my health (laughs) other than my normal day-to-day stuff. I don't like fear for my life every day like I used to. But, um, you know, while I was sick, I ended up starting a nonprofit. I also ended up starting my own business um, just because creativity is really what has helped me mentally the most since I did have to give up my personal training business. And, you know, my mission is really to inspire, empower, and impact as many people as possible. Like, I want to inspire people to make their dreams a reality, you know, and become a bulldozer in the face of adversity. So, that's... That's that's quite the story. Yeah. (laughs) You had to compact it in a, you know, shorter little, little paragraph there, but yeah. It's been a long road for sure. Well, and I, um, we've connected for everyone listening. Shelby and I have connected online through a mutual friend. And uh, I have gone back and I had scrolled through all of your, I think it was Instagram or Facebook posts of when you had first gotten sick with COVID, sharing that. And it, it, you were going through a lot. It was right. And I mean, being sick with anything is always tough. Being sick was something that part of the world or some people in the world are not taking very seriously and doctors do not understand. I mean, I the physical toll it took on your body, but I also can't even imagine the mental toll and the emotional toll that that also took at that time, which of course, if you're mentally and emotionally strained, that doesn't necessarily help your physical health any exactly. either. Exactly. So I think it's incredible that you have turned such a challenging moment of your life moments long time long periods of time into something so positive so there's a lot of things that I want to unpack there's a lot there <laughs> there's a lot of them I have some notes let's um, do it <laughs> so the first thing I guess 
kind of go in an order of your story. Mm-hmm. When you got diagnosed with COVID, of course, if anyone listening to this episode doesn't know what the symptoms of COVID are, where have you been for By the past now, two yes. years? So we won't go through necessarily that aspect of it. But was there anything that you found particularly frustrating or surprising about having to be in the healthcare system? Did you feel that going from someone who was very healthy to then being someone who was very sick with an illness people didn't understand? Like, how did you have to advocate for yourself? What things helped you? I know that that is a gigantic question I just threw at you, but yeah. (laughs) I I, I know what you're asking here. So I'm glad that that made sense. (laughs) It made perfect sense. So since I, yes, I was very, very fit and healthy whenever I got sick. I mean, I was running obstacle course races. I was a personal trainer. I mean, I was in the gym a lot. Um, And so whenever I first got sick and I was going to the hospital, they didn't believe that I was struggling as bad as I was. And they didn't. The the dialogue at the time was if you are a quote unquote healthy person, if you are in good shape, you are probably going to pull through COVID with minimal. I thought that I would. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that I would. Absolutely. I didn't think that it would change my life forever, but yeah, I mean, there was actually, and this is, you know, part of the trauma of the medical system that I have faced, but there was one time, and this is whenever I could not breathe at night, but the doctor told the nurse to tell me in the ER to not come back because I was at risk of infecting people because they had seen that I had been to another hospital recently. And I, I couldn't breathe at night. Whenever I tell you that I was gasping for air, it felt like an elephant was on my chest. They call it the COVID strangle. I mean, mm-hmm. it was absolutely terrifying. And of course, I was okay up walking around. I mean, I was winded. It wasn't normal for me. But at night, I could not breathe. And, um, you know, I have a diagnosed brain injury because of it now. My PCP now, well, not anymore. My PCP in LA, he actually told me that he was sorry. And recently, this was probably in like the last eight months because he wouldn't prescribe me oxygen. I was, I was asking for oxygen. He was like, you don't need oxygen. I can't breathe at night. I have videos of my oxygen stats. Um, Mm. So it was, it was very, very difficult. uh, And especially with COVID, you know, nobody really knew much at the time at all. They see a girl come in who is fit, who is young, who is supposedly healthy. And I was dismissed over and over and over again. And it was absolutely terrifying. It was terrifying because I didn't know how long it was going to last. And so it's like, I see people getting sick with it now and then not recovering quickly. And I almost think that it was better to get sick then because now I'm two and a half years in, you know what I mean? And I'm pretty stable for the most part, crossing my fingers, but it was just, it makes me feel for the people that are just now experiencing long COVID. And I think that's one of the scariest things about COVID is yes, statistically, at least from what I've seen, like most people get it and recover, but there's lots of people like yourself who are not recovering from it easily or quickly. It is taking a long time to recover. It is leaving permanent damage. And Mm -hmm. at least though the perspective I've always taken is, do you really want to risk being that percentage? And I guess this is a little bit more off topic of how much did it kind of wear and tear on your mental health as you were recovering not, I, I don't even know if recovering is the white world as you were dealing yeah. with long COVID mm-hmm. while seeing so much turmoil over whether or not there should be mask mandates or vaccine mandates. Um, oh. Having been someone who had lived through the worst case and well, maybe not the complete worst case scenario. You are still here with us today. You are making great impacts on the world, but having gone through everything that you did, It was 
something out of a movie. And honestly, it still is. Like, I, I'm like, we're living in a freaking twilight zone right now, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, whenever you have an airborne disease, it's a vascular disease that can affect any organ system. And then you have... You know, and I definitely don't want to get like political here or anything, but it's just so like you're talking just science, health. Yeah, like it's yeah. just whenever a illness is made political, mm-hmm. it's extremely hard on the people who are suffering. Yeah. Because we are not lying, we are not exaggerating this. It's it's absolutely devastating. And so that was hard to deal with to turn on the news and to see like the bickering back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we just want help. Like, like I just want to feel better. <laughs> I just, yeah. Like just acknowledge that we exist, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was 2020, <laughs> you know? And I mean, it's still really bad now, but it's kind of like, I think people are, have an understanding of kind of like, okay, this is COVID, it is here and so on. But it's just, oh, that was, that was awful, especially to be in the midst of like, not knowing if you were going to survive it, you know, Mm -hmm. very hard. So one of the other questions that I have that I know when uh, we were kind of the, the chronic illness community was talking about things as COVID became a prevalent thing in our lives is there's a lot of people coming forward sharing like, hey, we've had to be isolating and wearing masks and doing all these precautions. We've had to stay at home for years. And now everyone's kind of noticing the same types of things that we're having to deal with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I felt that if there was one good thing that came out of COVID, I don't know if it actually stuck around as long as I was hoping it would, is I felt like there was more of a an an attention, a focus on some of the life experiences of others that are living with different chronic health conditions, different illnesses. And I think that that in some ways is a very positive thing, that awareness. It's one of the reasons we have this podcast Mm -hmm. is to share those stories is to allow other people to be like, Oh yeah, there are other people who are dealing with struggles like this on a daily basis. And I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on how COVID has impacted the chronic illness community. Like, were you aware of the chronic illness community before you got long COVID? Um, And just kind of hear that side of your story. In full transparency, like I knew about chronic illnesses because I've had a couple friends that had and have chronic illnesses, but I, I wasn't as fully aware of it as obviously I am now because I am chronically ill. Um, And so I, I wasn't, very aware of, you know, all the different medical conditions and how um, just chronic illnesses are underfunded and under-researched and how many people are suffering with these kinds of things. And um, I think that one good thing that is coming out of long COVID is unfortunately, because there are so many people that are dealing with this, it's shining a light on chronic illnesses and the chronic illness community and how serious this stuff is. And, you know, health just isn't a black and white kind of thing. You know, a lot of these chronic illnesses, uh, since they are underfunded and under-researched, it's just nothing's really being done, (laughs) you know, like people are just suffering. And so hopefully with COVID and everything else, you know, I mean, that's all we can hope for is that everybody just kind of bands together and is like, look, we're out here. This is a very serious thing. And these, these conditions deserve recognition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was curious at what point do you feel like your medical team began to quote, believe you with what's going with what was going on? And then maybe started being more productive about like helping and finding solutions. Did that ever happen? Whenever I had my brain injury Mm -hmm. results back, which was October, October of 2020, I think. I've left temporal lobe slowing of my brain, which affects word recall, uh, short-term memory, things like that. 
And yeah, once I got those results back, I mean, how that happened from my neurologist was because of inflammation and hypoxia. So COVID, you know, Uh, and that's whenever it was like, oh, you know, she has some serious issues. And then also whenever I got my CT scan results back because my lungs, chest and spleen are all completely scarred. So they started like seeing, okay, right. this is, yeah, but they still didn't really know what to do. What can you do? There, there right. aren't any antivirals or anything for this um, long-term. So they didn't know. And so I just, honestly, I kept on getting passed off and passed off. I mean, they, they believe that something was seriously wrong, but they didn't what have could the be answers. Done. They didn't know right. what to do. Yeah. So that was October of 2020 and you got sick the beginning of April, 2020. Mm-hmm. That's a six month period. Mm-hmm. So that's a long time to be struggling with not just being sick, but not being believed. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's lots of people listening to this episode that are like, yeah, I spent like multiple years not being believed. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm curious by, Oct- by October, six months later, how many um, of your like original COVID symptoms did you still have? Were you still having the trouble breathing at night? Were you still having that fatigue? Fatigue? Yes. Um, the, shortness of breaths kind of stopped, but I was starting that that was whenever my POTS cardiovascular type of stuff, like tachycardia and everything that started in the summer of 2020. I was like sitting at my desk and my pulse skyrocketed for no reason. And then I was getting dizzy and then I passed out in the shower and then it just kind of like evolved. So, you know, my POTS definitely from COVID. I didn't have that before. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is going on in October. I have like a, a sheet somewhere, <laughs> but you know, fatigue, of course, I was having very bad headaches, very, very bad headaches, which I'm sure was um, due to the inflammation and mm-hmm. stuff that I had, um, was passing out and fainting. Body pain was really bad. Um, my, It's interesting, this, this disease it shows up different from different people. It's, there's no like uniform way that this shows up. And so for me, it's very like rheumatologic, like the body pain, the body aches. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Whenever I say it felt like I had the flu every single freaking day for probably a year and a half two years oh until gosh. I got in to see a rheumatologist because my CRP, my sedray, like some inflammatory markers are high and they finally put me on some medication that has helped. I mean, I still have bad days, but it definitely eases that pain. And I look back and I'm like, how the heck did I even, was I living like that? How was yeah. I living like that? From all the stories that we've heard, it is incredible what you will go through when you don't have another choice yeah. and the resiliency. Yeah. And of course there's trauma that goes with it and emotional and mental drainage and just mm-hmm. not good stuff. Yeah. It was, I, I just, I, I have videos in my phone too. Cause I was like documenting a lot and there's mm-hmm. some where, Oh my gosh, it just, tears my heart out watching it back. Cause I know that there are people in their journey right now that are where I was Mm -hmm. and I was just crying and crying and like, you know, I'm in so much pain. There's so many people who are suffering. I mean, just the mental toll of being as active as I was and an athlete to being, you know, essentially bed bound was insane. Insane. All because of a virus. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. The, the body aches was definitely a common theme. I say common theme. Cause like you said, it, it was so different for everybody, but I know that, um, when I had COVID, it was some of the worst, like lower back hip pelvic pain that I've ever experienced. Yeah. It was just, it just hurt on this level. That was like my bones hurt. Bones. Yeah. And Cassie, and, can you share when exactly you had COVID just so our listeners can, because oh, yeah. I think since the virus has mutated so many times over the past yeah, two plus point. years, um, just to kind of give that, that time scale. Yeah. That's a good point. I had COVID January, 2022. 
Okay. Um, and I was, okay, let's see. Would I have been triple? Yeah, I was triple vaccinated. I say mm-hmm. triple because it was my two vaccines and my booster, but they really, it's like not a booster. It's you need all three shots. So I just say triple vaccinated. <laughs> so I was triple vaccinated going into it. And, um, had you had, have you had your fourth? No, I need to go. I think now okay, I might be right. finally eligible. Yes, yeah. I need to go get it. Because I remember, I think we were just having lots of conversations around that time of if you needed to get a fourth one. That's yes. why I was, I had a, my brain was like, wait a second. I have this well, memory. And then they still like, and then there's not as much information out there for you to get your fourth one. Yeah. But the last I was looking into it was like a month ago. And I, it still seemed like I wasn't eligible quite yet for my like age group or being immune compromised, but I'm going to look into it again. Cause now I'm past my, you know, those months that I'm not really in the clear. I, I got it January, 2022 towards the end of January. And then, um, my boyfriend and I had it at the same time. We ran out of tests in January in our County in Kansas, uh, in the Wichita area there literally was no more tests you could take. It was like a 10 day wait to take a freaking wow. COVID test. You remember that Chelsea? Like it was insane. So I tested positive like five days, I think after my boyfriend tested positive and I had isolated from my stepdad. Um, but I didn't totally isolate from my son. His room is right next to mine, mm-hmm. but we kind of kept our distance. So we assumed that my son also was positive. Yeah. But then my son and my stepdad got it in May. And my son tested positive. So then I, I don't think he had it in January, maybe because we were all yeah. vaccinated. But it's also, it he, is such a weird, it is a weird virus. Super weird. Cause then it's he got virus. sick and had some, had symptoms, got sick, tested positive in May. And then that's my boyfriend and I, neither one of us had symptoms in May. So we we're like, where we just, we were like, we were something like two weeks outside of that 90 day, uh, protection of what they say if you've had COVID within 90 days you're good we were like two weeks on the other side of it so anyway the low back pain and like hips and like pelvis and into my like femur bones my thigh bones Mm -hmm. hurt like so much and then it was kind of like it was only probably two three days of it so the thought of having that for a year would be absolute hell it was two three days and then it went into my ears And it was the worst ear pain I've ever experienced in my life. And it was just like, I couldn't, my brain couldn't function because my ears hurt so bad. Um, It was crazy. And I definitely consider myself pretty lucky because once I recovered from COVID, I had, um, I definitely had some residual fatigue, some brain fog, like a lot of people have experienced, um, just like the body not bouncing back, you know, yeah. super well. Um, and I, I, it definitely uh, flared up my Crohn's. And I know a lot of people had tummy issues with COVID. My Crohn's was very unhappy. My tummy was very unhappy. But then after, I don't know, maybe like a month or two after recovering from COVID. Yeah, I was really breathless too, come to think of it. But So I had quite a lot of the things. But then yeah. I would say that I did fully recover after those couple months, um, I didn't really experience any more of the COVID symptoms. And interestingly enough, my boyfriend, who was like the specimen of health active, sounds like just like very much like you, he still has some residual COVID stuff that isn't going away and brain fog and back pain and like this cough and then just like fatigue and not bouncing back. And that was eye-opening because I'd spent the last two and a half years worried for myself because of the media very much being like, if you're healthy, you're good to go. Essentially, if you have a pre-existing condition, you should be concerned. So I'd very much been concerned for how COVID would affect me personally. And then I live with my stepdad who's 92 and I was worried about him getting COVID. My stepdad recovered pretty much completely from COVID at 92 years old. He also was triple vaccinated. Yeah. He also was triple vaccinated. I recovered after a few months. I didn't really have very much residual. I had a rapid heart rate also. And that, that comes and goes. I've been under a lot of stress recently, but if I looked at like two months ago, that rapid heart rate wasn't really an issue anymore. But then my boyfriend being the person without a preexisting condition is the one who's had residual stuff. So I definitely like resonate and feel for you that so much of what they were putting out there in the world was not 
Like it mm-hmm. definitely wasn't the case. There were so many extremely healthy people mm-hmm. suffering mm-hmm. deeply from this disease and who haven't made full recoveries or have residual issues since. And multiple people that I've heard having POTS from it. Yeah. I, I actually saw on the news today, there's um, an Olympic athlete in another country. I don't remember which one, but um, she actually put in her resignation today because she has not recovered from COVID since 2020. So because mm-hmm. of long COVID, there's a lot of athletes actually. Yeah. I, I um, definitely heard of a lot of people that like be having worked in the fitness community. I have friends who work in gyms all over the country and there was quite a few people who were like, yeah, we had our fitness instructor who teaches all the time and is in great shape was in the hospital on a ventilator. And I was like, okay. So I, well, to me, again, I have no idea what the statistics are, Yeah, but there is, for me, there's been enough examples of it impacts everybody in very different ways that it is something that you need to take seriously. And there needs to be research and funding to support people who have long COVID and to make sure that people don't get sick in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like playing Russian roulette, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not good. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just, I'm grateful to be somewhat stable. I, um, I recently, when was it? It was before I moved here to Tennessee. So probably like, I don't know, in June, July, I don't know when this is going to be aired, but um, I passed out by myself at in my apartment and um, like I hit my head and I had I had to call an ambulance because I was home by myself. And um, that was hard. That was really, really hard. It also probably was really scary. And very scary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was actually, so why I'm here in East Tennessee, I was considering moving to Nashville, but once that happened and I knew my boyfriend wasn't moving with me right away, I, I was like, no, I need to be closer to my family. So my family is like five minutes down the road. And so, yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm happy to be close to them and stuff, but because of my health issues, that's another reason why I chose to be close to them because it's, yeah, POTS is, POTS is not fun at all. We've had a few people with POTS on the podcast and it's, again, I guess I'm glad that it's getting more attention, which it always should have gotten. (laughs) Um, But yeah. I didn't even know it existed. I had never heard of POTS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, it's funny because when my boyfriend was having some heart stuff from afterwards and breathlessness and dizziness, like we would go frisbee golfing and before COVID and then a little bit after, and every time he would bend over to get his disc, he's like, I just feel like I'm going to faint, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like later he, he's like, have you ever heard of something called POTS? Apparently that's like something. And I was like, yes. You know, I was like, we're gonna meet so many we, have a, we have a very good friend who has pots. Yeah, actually. one of our closest <laughs> friends has pots. I mean, it's, um, but I found that to be interesting that like, I mean, he said when he was Googling stuff, it was like right at the top. Oh, wow. And so that pots has definitely been um, a side effect or a consequence or whatever from COVID. I think it's getting and a lot more attention and it's really challenging to live with. Yeah. Um, I mean, this virus, because like I was saying, it's vascular, it affects everything. So with POTS, whenever your blood vessels don't constrict, it's attacking Mm -hmm. the blood vessels. It's probably also hit the autonomic nervous system and, you know, sleep apnea, the central nervous system, you know, I have that. So it's just like, uh, it's everything. There is nothing on your body that is safe from this thing. So really is like Russian roulette play the game and we'll figure out what you walk away with, you know, hopefully nothing, but that's just scary. Yeah. So we've started talking about the kind of the impact that COVID has had on chronic illnesses and bringing more awareness and hopefully having more research. And so that kind of brings me to your nonprofit and the impact that that is making for individuals with long COVID and all the awareness that you're working on bringing within that organization. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about Blooming Magnolia and 
what, what, what inspired you to start it? Why you started it? Why you were like, this has to happen. And then what it does for the community, the long COVID. Yeah. So, um, when was it? It was back in 2020. And well, first of all, whenever I had acute COVID and I couldn't breathe at night, I literally prayed and I was like, look, if I make it out on the other side of this, I'm going to use my voice to help others. And then time went on. And then I realized, you know, once the shortness of breath thing kind of stopped and I was in bed a lot, like bed bound. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was like, we really need research into this thing. Like we, we need money. Like we need awareness. And I have always wanted to start a nonprofit. Like back when I, in high school, I wrote it down and I was like, I want a nonprofit about self-love. Like, you know, I've always been about that, you know, just loving yourself and self-care and all that. I never ended up doing it. And so fast forward to summer of 2020, I was thinking nonprofit. Okay, let's do a nonprofit for long COVID, but let's bridge the gap for patients because whenever you're diagnosed with a chronic illness or dealing with any illness for that matter, it affects your mental health. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't mean like that your, your illness is caused by your mental health. It, it, we need to support you during that transition while you're trying to recover and trying to get your life back and own your life again and get control over your life again, you know? So um, anyways, I started Blooming Magnolia and we are a long COVID support and mental health advocacy nonprofit. And our mission ultimately is we want to empower others by providing a platform to strengthen and protect mental health and promote education, research, and support for long COVID survivors. So I wanted to intertwine the long COVID and the mental health thing, right? And yeah, I mean, we've we've raised money. We've given direct grants to patients needing care. We helped a little girl get to Washington, D.C. last year for treatment. Um, we're about to do another round of grants, um, you know, heading into the holiday season. And so it's it's been really, really good to help where we can because that's the problem with this illness is so many people have lost their homes. They've lost their jobs. They've lost so much. You know, some people have trouble paying for medications. And if we can help just a little bit, you know, just we're here, help is coming. It just helps give people a little hope, you know? Um, so we have ex some exciting things coming up. I just, I knew that something needed to happen and something needed to change. And um, I'm just, I'm, glad I stuck to my guns and I did it. And Blooming Magnolia kind of saved me too, because I did the website. I did it from my bed. I worked on it a little bit every day and I'm a creative. I mentioned earlier on that, you know, I started my own reality show whenever I went to LA. I did the video editing. I create brands and businesses. And so this gave me a sense of, um, what's the word? It just made me feel like I wasn't just wasting away on my bed. <laughs> Ultimately. Yeah, it gave you some like purpose. Exactly. Exactly. Purpose. That's the word. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> so yeah, and and we're heading into what it'll be. We've been open what a little over a year now. And so we've done a lot, but I'm looking forward to making a bigger impact. So we love hearing stories about how people are able to do things they love and make impacts from their bed. Because we know in the chronic illness community, the idea of having to show up for a nine to five job five days a week, or just have to show up anywhere consistently can be daunting and can lead to a lot of stress and having some sort of work situation where you have flexibility or can do things from your bed can be really, really helpful in being able to still make a living, have an income and do things that you enjoy. And so will you tell us a little bit about how you manage running a nonprofit and having your own business with having a chronic illness? And I kind of want to add on, uh, can you also share like what your average daily symptoms are that you're having to deal with while and deal with and manage those symptoms while 
doing the nonprofit and running your own business? Yes. So the beautiful thing about creating your own business is you can do it around your life. Mm -hmm. Your business can be whatever you want it to be. This hustle culture crap is old news. Okay? Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> it <laughs> is. I feel like we have soapboxes about hustle culture. And so thank it you for is. being someone else to say it. <laughs> I mean, like if you want something, yeah, go get it, but you can build it or it's your business. There is no like it's not black and white. You can build it however you want to build it. And you're going to magnetize the people that are meant to be in your world strictly by being you and building your business how you want to build it, basically. So, um, you know, with a nonprofit, um, I, oh, daily symptoms first. So daily symptoms, I am nauseous a lot, but Zofran is a lifesaver. <laughs> I deal with a lot of headaches. I try to manage those the best as I can. I mean, if I need to rest, I rest. I listen to my body and try to give my body what it needs in the time, you know, and then sometimes I get dizzy. Sometimes I can't work. Sometimes I can't do anything. And I, I really stopped beating myself up about that because like, I, if I have to rest, I have to rest. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't push myself. If I push myself too much, I'm going to make myself sick. So, um, you know, with the nonprofit, I, I just have a schedule for myself, you know, creating content, um, you know, doing back end stuff like operational stuff for it. Um, you know, with, with my business mentorship and web design company, that is like work that I just, I love it. I love it. It doesn't feel like work to me. Um, I mentioned that with Blooming Magnolia, I created the website. I do all of the content for it. Um, and, being creative really, really helps me because whenever I had to give up my personal training business and give up fitness really as a whole, I can only really walk now. Um, that was hard. That was hard. And I had a whole crisis, like, what am I going to do? Right. And so I just went back to my roots, really. Um, instead of coaching people on fitness, I'm coaching people on business. I, empower women entrepreneurs to increase their impact and, you know, work on their online reputation and do all of those things that I'm, I'm really, really passionate about and help bring their vision to life. And those are all things I can do around. It's my business. I can do it the way that I want to. If I don't, if I am feeling sick or can't work, well, I can't work, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it just is what it is. But I think the key is just not beating yourself up about things that you can't do or things that are going to hurt you. Because I would rather take a step back and chill out than be sick for the next three days. So Mm -hmm. it's just finding a balance there. So I think a great reminder for everybody of every (laughs) levels of health and every age and every situation. We talk a lot on this podcast about how like with when it comes to self-care, it's a lot about giving yourself or doing things that give you energy and trying to eliminate things that take yes. away energy. So it sounds like when it comes to making an income for yourself, you have focused on one flexibility. Yes. Being able to do it from your bed on your own time when it works for you, but also focusing on the fact that being creative makes you feel very happy and does not feel like work. And it seems to give you energy. Yes. And I think that's just a great reminder for everyone out there that, yeah, a nonprofit doesn't look the same way for everybody. A coaching business doesn't work the same way for everyone. A marketing business doesn't work the same way for everybody. It's figuring out what feels good to you and how does that work for your life? And so hopefully somebody listening to this is going to be like, Hey, I like doing this thing. I have a way that I could make it flexible to work around my life, to work around my symptoms. And I could be able to do something that brings me a lot of joy. Like so for example, yeah, this morning, um, I, I like intention candles. Okay. So mm-hmm. I like purchasing the intention candles and setting a whole intention around it and burning it and just like making a whole little ritual out of it. Well, I, I purchased a couple of candles today. One is an abundance candle and the other is a new beginnings candle because I just moved here to my new condo. And I messaged her and I was like, oh, I just bought these. I wanted you to know a little backstory about it because whenever you're packaging it and sending it, 
it. Like, you know, it's just, um, just a small business owner. Right. And so I just want there to be care and like just intention all around it. Right. And she checked me out and it turns out she has a chronic illness herself. And Mm -hmm. so she does these candles and they're like, so amazing. They're like the woodwick candles or whatever, and they're beautiful and they have like all sorts of little stuff in it. They're just I can't wait to get them, but I'm like getting super excited about candles over here. But whenever she had said that she had a chronic illness, she was just like, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing with Blooming Magnolia. I've been chronically ill for however many years and her son has mental health issues. So like, yeah. And it just, it, I I thought about it because I knew this podcast was going to be today. And I was like, wow, you know, that's really, really cool that she found something that, you know, makes her feel good and she can make an income doing it, you know? I mean, in this day and age, everything's online. Like there's so much possibility for you, so much possibility. And so, you know, anybody can have hobbies to make them feel good. You don't have to, you don't have to make it a financial thing. Right. But I think that as you were saying, it's so important to find something that really, that makes you feel good, Mm -hmm. just feel good and something that you're passionate about and do that thing. But if you do want to make money, everything's online. So possibilities are endless. <laughs> There's lots of, there are lots of options anymore. Like yeah. Really are. Yeah. Well, as we kind of start to wrap up a little bit, uh, Cassie, if you have any other final questions for Shelby pop in um, or Shelby, what is something you want to kind of leave with our listeners? What is either something about long COVID you want people to keep in mind? Cause I know it's been two years, two and a half years. And it's actually, it's really interesting that we're having this conversation. Cause I feel like recently I was talking to someone, they're like, yeah, the CDC stopped talking about it. Um, and you're like, yeah, it's just, it's kind of almost like become a topic that for two years was all we heard about. It was all that was talked about. Every conversation had COVID in it in some capacity. And now it's just kind of like disappeared. So is there something you want our listeners to remember in regards to kind of reminding people that COVID is still there? Or is there just a happy, inspirational tidbit that you want to leave with our listeners? Or maybe both. Both. I'm apparently in a (laughs) mode to like leave all the doors open today. So in regards to long COVID, I just want people to know that it is a very, very real disease. It is not in your head. And if you have had COVID at any point in time, however many times, and your body does not feel right, you definitely need to follow up with your PCP. Um, You need to write down the symptoms and write down the things that are going on that way they can try to get ahead of it and notate that in your chart and everything else. Cause who knows, who knows what this is going to look like five to 10 years from now, mm-hmm. you know, think of chicken pox, you know, because of chicken pox, we have shingles, right. And you get shingles later in life. So there, there's no telling with this disease. So I, it's just incredibly important that everybody listens to their bodies and, you know, stays in touch with their doctor and make sure that they're taking care of themselves. Um, because unfortunately, as of right now, COVID isn't going anywhere um, until there is a better va- vaccine that completely eradicates the the disease um, or, you know, something else or antivirals that, that you can take um, like immediately that would be beneficial for everyone. There's just, there's so much going on right now, right? Um, but it's just important that we all listen to our bodies. So, and if you are young and healthy, you are not exempt from this. Um, and then I also want to mention that if you are dealing with long COVID or any other chronic illness, you know, there is hope. And I believe that something that has really helped me, um, has just been really prioritizing and taking care of my nervous system because whenever I'm stressed, my symptoms are 10,000 times worse and my body doesn't like that. And your body cannot heal whenever you are in a state of like, you know, your body's all, your nervous system is dysregulated. So really just making sure that 
you know, you're setting aside the time for self-care, whether that's watching TV, watching a good show or journaling or just going outside and putting your feet in the grass or meditating or writing or anything like that, you know, um, but there is hope and, you know, just, you have to just put yourself first. Mm-hmm. You just have to put yourself first and not feel bad about it. Otherwise you're just, you know, it, it's never a good thing if you don't. <laughs> we are big fans of self-care here on the yes. relationship. Yeah, those <laughs> we are super love, great we love yes. I could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Point being just do it. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet, Shelby? And we will link all of these in the show notes for anyone that's like, I don't want to have to remember I'm driving. That's okay. When you get to your safe place, scroll down. All the links will be there. Yes. Please do not wreck. So um, you can go to www.shelbyhedgecock.com. And all of my social media is on there, but you can also go to Shelby Hedgecock on Instagram, Shelby Hedgecock on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. And then bloomingmagnolia.org. Yep. And we will link all of that. There's great resources of Blooming Magnolia. Shelby's got great stuff that she posts. And I really enjoyed this conversation, Shelby. I have been, we've both been looking forward to this interview because COVID was, has been such a huge thing in everyone's lives and being able to chat with someone like yourself who went through so much at the beginning of the virus when no one knows anything, knew anything, and they still don't really know a lot and how you've turned that into a way to help others. It's just really awesome. And so thank you for being the voice of people that have long COVID sharing your story and continuing to make a big impact on the world in a positive way. And I appreciate you guys because what you all are doing is super impactful and it's nice to have a place for people like me, you know, to just feel like there's a sense of community and stuff. Because sometimes it can feel really, really alone. Mm -hmm. Um, You can just feel very, very lonely throughout this journey. So it's important to have that sense of community. And I appreciate you guys too. And I appreciate you for having me. Yay. Thank you, well, Shelby. Thank you so much, Shelby. Yeah. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Wellness Hub community. These little things really do help to get our podcast out there to others. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Wellness Hub or on our website, mywellnesshub.co for all sorts of resources and to find our Wellness Hub community.